Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Family Stories Podcast, where each story reveals the love and the grace of God in a unique way. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host, and it's my privilege to bring these amazing stories to you. Many years ago, I had the privilege of spending time with a minister by the name of Lester Summerall. He's now with the Lord, but I'll never forget one simple but profound statement he made. One I think we all need to hear. He said, how you start in life is not nearly as important as how you finish. My guest today is still a young man, as compared to me, and far from a finished life. But his start, like so many today, was not ideal. Brad Herman resides in south-central Pennsylvania with his wife, Christine, and their two teenagers, Samantha and Eric. Now, it's usually at this point in the podcast that I share a guest's credentials and their occupation. But in this case, it's such an important part of his story, I think it's better left to him. Brad, welcome to the Family Stories podcast. Thank you, Jim, for uh, so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you, and I think your story is going to really bless some people. But before we get into your early life and how things started, tell us just a little bit about your wife and your kids. Well, my wife is Christine, and we've been married 21 years as of last week. And she is the delight of my life, and she is the greatest representation of the Father's love towards me, besides, obviously, the finished work of Jesus. But she is an incredible helpmate and love, uh, just shows the love of Christ to everyone she meets and is in contact with. And I'm honored and delighted to be married to her. Well, that is is wonderful. And the longer you're married to her, the richer that will get. You know, Shirley and I just went over 51 years, so I'm I'm slightly older than you. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Well, what about your kids? So I have a, a, both my uh, kids are teenagers. Samantha is, uh, she'll be turning 17 this year. So she's starting to drive right now. And that's a She's fearfully and wonderfully made behind the steering wheel of a car. <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> there goes the insurance rates. Yeah, but so she's and she is a she's an active runner. I'm very proud of her. She is a track and cross country runner, and so that's where she competes. And uh, both of my both of my children, Eric included, both of them are brilliant, and they have incredible minds. And you know, I'll share some of that as I talk about my story. But my kids are are just sharp as all can be. My son is actually almost advanced in all subjects that he's in because he's just, he's just brilliant. And you know, if I didn't know better, I'd think you're proud of your kids. I am. They're delightful. They're great <laughs> kids. As you should be. Every father, I wish every father was like that. So tell us what things were like when you were a boy. Well, I grew up in a home, the best I knew, middle-class family in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, my parents, when I was three, they divorced. And so I really don't have a memory of a healthy marriage. And I, I, I really didn't even have an, uh, an understanding of what unhealthy marriage was. I just didn't, you know, I, all my recollection was my dad lived here, my mom lived here, and it was different than most other pit families. So you, you, were, you were part of a single parent family from as long as you can remember, basically. Ba- yeah, basically. 
But I remember I used to go to, I got invited when I was in grade school to go to like a, a divorce counseling group. In grade and school. They, yeah, in grade school. And they said, tell me something bad about being from a divorced family. And I said, I don't know, but I could tell you I got twice the presents at Christmas time. So in some ways, I didn't know any, you know, any different. I really didn't have a bad view of it, just the way it was. So that's, you know, that's growing up, yeah, you just grew up as a single parent boy, and that was it. No big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, I used to say that, you know, I would, my mom, I would see my dad every other weekend, but my mom basically raised me. And so I'd spend, you know, all my time was with my mom, but she worked, and God bless her. She's, I was just talking to her yesterday. She's 87 years old, or she's 86. She'll be turning 87 in a couple of months. But she's delightful. She's, you know, as strong as all can be at, at 86, uh, living up in Minnesota. And, and, but she worked. She did everything she could to make sure that we had food on our plate and a roof over our head. And so she worked uh, till 6, 7 p.m., seemed like every night. And so I would get home from school. My brother, we'd get home from school and we'd, you know, basically we'd do our homework and then we'd watch TV. You're, so you were on your own. Yeah. And so I used to say that like Scooby-Doo kind of raised me, you know, because I watched so many cartoons. I watched a lot of TV and, and uh, you know, we, we obviously went out and hung out with friends and stuff in the neighborhood. But a lot of our time was spent sitting in front of that TV. And so I used to jokingly say that I was raised by the television. Well, you know, that's not atypical. There are just so many kids now. As I talk to my grandkids who are in school, so many kids are in single-parent homes. And uh, and, and they they really don't, like you, know any different or know any better. They yeah. don't. And, know I'm, you know, I'm grateful. You know, my wife uh, runs our side business, and she's able to ferry our kids. I mean, we, dri- we drive our kids to school when there was school. Uh, we drive them every day, and we pick them up every day. They could take the bus. But we like having that time with them in the morning, you know, and we might be driving and my son will say, hey, dad, can we pray for this? And Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray in the car. And I would I'd talk to my kids and I'd say to them, this is a little side trail. I apologize, but I'll say to them, you know, what outcome do you want out of today? What's something you're looking for to see happen today that you want as an outcome? And so they'll ask me that for work, you know, because I'm thinking about work. What do I need to get done? And they'll, so I asked them that. And so they'll talk about outcomes like, like, I want to pray for this person. I want to see God do something. Isn't it amazing how when you teach your children certain principles and ways of doing things, that they speak it back to you and have the expectation of the same thing from you? In total honesty, I was even, I watched a video actually this afternoon that came back up in my Facebook feed. And it was a video from a TV show, Prince of Bel-Air. And and there's a scene where his real dad comes to see him, and, and it turns out his dad was just there to, to manipulate him and leave and try to get money, and it breaks his heart again that his real dad doesn't want him or accept him. You know, you know, my father actually passed. I didn't see my dad all the time. I'd see him like every other weekend when I was able to. I mean, when I did spend time with him, a lot of times we we're at his office. He was an executive at a at a. a, a basically the equivalent of IBM back then. And so I spent a lot of time at his office. But when I was 15 years old, you know, my dad passed away. And I didn't know the Lord. I was, you know, grew up in a non-Christian household. I had some spiritual underpinnings, pretty much godless in my life. And so my dad passed away when I was when I was 15. I really entered into a season of like rejection and being hurt uh, from losing my dad. And, you know, when that happens to someone or when they when they don't have access to their father or mother, I mean, it can be a mother wound. But a lot of times I see 
people walking around with father wounds. And so, you know, my dad didn't do it by choice necessarily. I mean, he didn't take care of himself. So in some ways it was a choice, but a heavy wound in my heart. You know, someone asked me recently, I said, who taught you how to shave? I taught myself how to shave. Who taught you how to drive a car? I taught myself how to drive a car. (laughs) And my mom spent time with me driving the car. But I mean, I learned from just by watching people how to do certain things. And I really had to raise myself in a lot of ways. When did you discover you had a learning? So when I was in basically in first grade, uh, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. You know, I just couldn't keep up, you know, in kindergarten and first grade, I couldn't keep up with the other kids when it came to learning reading and writing. I mean, even to this day, I don't hold a pencil the right way. You know, I hold a pencil the way I learned how to write, and that's how I write today. And so, but if you looked at it, it's not the way that most people hold a pencil. Anyway, I was at literally special ed all the way through high school. Really? All the other students knew was I went somewhere every day, and I was separate, and that's all I knew. You know, you felt different, you felt stupid, and I and I to be honest, with you, I still got to fight that that thinking today, uh, which you know sometimes tries to creep up. The enemy wants you to continue to stay in your identity issues, but like in junior high, it was pretty bad because you know being in special ed. Excuse me, on the other side of the room from special ed were where the, where uh, retarded kids were, and you knew they were there, and you kind of felt like you were one, you know, divider shy of that. Yeah, you were right there. And, and, you know, I love those people and it really gave me a heart for them. You know, it really did. It really did form my life at the time, especially after my dad died. I was angry. I felt like I was stupid. I didn't feel like I could do anything right. You know, and so it really formed my identity. At, At some point, I literally, especially when I was in my my late teens. With my dad being gone, I was getting ready to graduate from high school so that the, the identity structures that I did have in my life were slowly being removed. I came to realize that I really had, you know, I, I remember sitting down with a dear friend of mine who grew up in a Lutheran home. And he was my best friend, my first roommate. And I said to him one day, I said, I, have, I can't figure out why I'm here on the earth. I don't know that I have any reason whatsoever to be alive. In the midst of that, as you're going on with the story, you had said something to me the other day. You said you came to a point where you absolutely hated Christians. How well, did that develop? I think that when developed, that? you know, in junior high and high school. And and I think I had told you before, you know, I, I was a cussing kid. I used every word in the book. I didn't have role models. You know, I didn't have someone to steer me straight. Now, my mom, if she heard me say it, she would have given me a good scolding. Anyway, the the reality was I was around a family specifically that was a Christian family and they would, you know, I just felt judged all the time by them. And I had no understanding of Christianity, real true Christianity. And it, and it wasn't really until high school when my locker was next to a girl named Darla Fellner and Darla loved the Lord, but I didn't understand that. I just knew there was something different about Darla as a Christian, but I still hated her and I still persecuted her. But I'm going to tell you, when I when I came to know the Lord, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that she was a real believer and that she prayed for me. How, how old were you when you? So came I was to 19 when I came to know the Lord. I was so out, of high, out school, of high school. You were out of high school. And I was just school. I was drifting. Well, you, at, at that point, that's when you were saying to yourself, "I have no reason to live. Why am I here? Yeah. If I leave, it'll I mean, be I was fine. I was searching everywhere. I did not want Christianity. I did not want, I mean, my view was that Christianity was just this negative thing. 
And so I would go to the Zen Buddhist temple and I would meditate and I was looking at different religions, trying to find the answer, but I'd already closed the door on Christianity. I'm, I'm grateful to the Lord that he used this, this dear couple. I actually just recently came in contact with them again. And I don't think I told you this, Jim, but I actually got saved through an Amway rally. I <laughs> know <laughs> you too. Well, I'm not an Amway anymore, but I, I realized that I, you know, at the time I didn't have money and I wanted to have money. And I met some people uh, that were in Amway. And they introduced me to some people in their upline. And these people shine the light and love of the Lord all over me. And again, here I am. I'm like 18, 19 at the time. And I'm cussing. And they just love me. You know, they really, really love me. And then through that, being at Amway rallies, they preached the gospel at the Amway rallies I would go to. And I started to hear the gospel. And I came to realize my need that I needed to be free of the sin and I needed to be free of the weights that I had on my life. And the, you know, the coolest part of it, Jim, was that I literally right away, there was a change in my life and I realized I had a destiny. Isn't that amazing how God can do that? I mean, you get saved and everything internally changes. Now in the process of all of this, did you feel like you could do anything well since you no, were so and I, <laughs> and in a lot of ways, I still don't know that I that I could do certain things well. I'm, uh, but you know, I know it, you're alluding to, but you know, I it, it's funny. I've never been a very uh, well. What, the one thing I did instantly changed. You know, when I was in high school and in special ed, I would to keep up with the class. I would have to listen to books on tape keep up with the reading assignments, you know, so they'd give me tapes and I'd listen to the books on tape. Um, and so I didn't read a lot of books. You know, I think I had told you before that when I was, even before my dad died, when I was 12, you know, he was trying to get me to do anything. He tried to get me to read anything to, to uh, anything. So he saw that I like comic books. And so he started buying me comic books. When I became a Christian at the age of 19, I owned over 6,000 comic books. I mean, I had a really nice collection and I actually helped manage a comic book store. I used to be very deep into the world of comics. And and that was also a negative for me, really, in in some ways, because it was it was a double thing because I could I hated who I was, but I could live vicariously through other people by reading their stories and comic books. In terms of dyslexia, what exactly could you or could you not do? I mean, did you. Were you unable to like read a sentence? Did the yeah. words appear backwards? I mean, I, I really don't know the details of that. And it doesn't have to be a medical explanation, but basically you what know, happened? I, what, what could I you would, not it, do? it was, it, you know, they, they diagnosed me with dyslexia, but I wonder if there wasn't more. I have to like really work hard to learn. You know, I might read a book four times before I cement that book in my thinking. So there's some business books I've read, like there's one book two years ago, I read three, four times and I listened to it twice on audio. To, to cement it. But even back then, it's like my retention of information was low and it's better now, but, it, but my speed of reading was really slow. And so it wasn't that so much that words would jumble, but it would just, I mean, like pages would like, it would take me, I'd have to concentrate really hard to read. Yeah. Just to get through one page. 
Now, now, here's where I want you to talk about what you do for a minute. Now, what your career is now, because this is almost well, ironic. Go ahead. Well, the crazy thing is today I'm, a, I'm what's called the publisher for Harrison House Publishing. It is all about writing and books. And it's and I mean, it, it's funny because I still don't like to write, to be honest. I'm I'm I write at a very low level, but I'm articulate and I can work through it. And I and I also can. As, I mean, one thing I do have an eye for is I read a lot. So I have a good eye. I mean, I jokingly say this to authors. I say, look, if there's a lot of mistakes in your book and I catch them, it's, it's in pretty bad shape, you know. Um, but I can, I'm, I really know structure and I, and I can figure out how to make a book better, how to make it flow better, how they can communicate the concepts clearer. Isn't that amazing that you well, it's, can do that? And it's, it's just funny because... How, I think I mentioned this to you, but the opportunity came. I had been working in pastoral ministry, and I quit doing that. I wasn't really cut out for for pastoral ministry, and it, it just wasn't my my thing. And so I was in between jobs, and this public this ministry called me and said, "Hey, we need someone to run our publishing company." And I said, "I, I don't know anything about publishing." And they said, "Yeah, but we heard you really like books." So that's how low the bar had to be for God to get me in the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you get a job with a publishing company because you yep. liked to read. But now that's and, you know. But first. I basically I put my ear to the ground and I learned everything I could, and it was a beautiful job. It was working for C. Peter Wagner. I don't know if you've ever heard of Peter Wagner before, um, but I, I worked yes, for I Peter have. and I helped him publish books, self-publish books through his ministry. And we helped publish other authors as well. And it was a, it was a great four year uh, gig of basically learning publishing. And, I, you know, I really got my wings working there. And then over the years, I've continued to do that. You know, and then six years ago, Destiny Image called me out of the blue and said, hey, we need someone to work, you know, in our in our acquisitions and sales department. Would you be interested? And that, that continued the adventure. And then a. a uh, a year and a half ago, Destiny Image, the, the parent company of Destiny Image, bought Harrison House, and so they they put me in charge of that as the publisher, and so that's what I'm doing today. But it's it's a, I mean, the one thing I will say, it's a huge honor to work with any author's book, because basically you're working with their baby. In, in fact, I've I, I've written a few books, and uh, I'll tell you, it really is your baby, and and anything people say about it, you you want to be <laughs> take criticism. In a good yeah. way, but well, it's, it's hard. Sometimes. It's funny talking to authors because some days I have to give, I have to be, give them hard criticism. And I mean, I had an author recently turned in a 90,000 word manuscript and I said, we need to trim that down a little bit because most people never finish that many, that many, that's a big, big book. I, I consider it. There you go. Pages a big and that's book. probably, <laughs> you know, a, a 30,000 or 25,000 word manuscript, probably 30,000, you know, would be that, that kind of pace. So you can imagine what a 90,000 word manuscript would be you know it's over four, over 400 yeah, pages novel. and most people just aren't going to stick with a book that long unless they love that author the the amazing thing jim for me is just i, I marvel you know the the idea that god uses the the foolish things to confound the wise and i think nothing could be more foolish than brad herman working at a publishing company <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's fabulous. I mean, God takes those things that nobody else believes in or thinks have any value, and he turns them into something wonderful. I mean, he's done that with your life. 
Here you were out there losing a father early, lived in a, a single-parent home, had dyslexia, had no interest in going on in life, had no idea what you were going to do, nothing had your attention, and here God enters the picture, and now you're publishing for Harrison House. I mean, it's really a pretty amazing journey. You have a wonderful wife, two beautiful teenagers. How did you get from hating Christians to that? There's only one answer. It Amen. has to be Jesus You know Christ. what? The Lord has just been so kind and good to me to redeem my, you know, to redeem my life and to pull it out of a pit. You know, I wouldn't be here today. You know, I, I likely would have committed suicide had I not come to know the Lord. And it was, it was like I was ripe for the kingdom of God. And when I really met some people that could articulate the gospel to me, I was like, you know, slid right into the into the kingdom, basically. And it's, I'm so thankful to the Lord, all the steps he's taken me on. And, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing what I'm doing today or 20 years ago. I had no, I don't know what I'll be doing in five years. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm just on this adventure with the Lord and listening to him. And I'm just amazed at the places he's taken me. Well, that I'll tell you what, this is encouraging to many, many people because you meet so many young people, particularly, that have no idea what they're going to do. They feel like life is hopeless, and I've talked to many of them, and they just they, they see what's going on in the world, and they yeah. lose hope. And the only hope we can have Amen. is in Jesus. And I think you are a perfect example of someone God has taken from someplace that didn't look really good and put him someplace great just because he loves you Amen. for no other reason. He is good. What what would you say to somebody that has faced the kinds of things you're facing, maybe even somebody younger, 20 years old or so, that's dealing with those kinds of issues that has maybe not necessarily a dyslexia, but something like that? What do you say to somebody like that if you have a chance? You know, I, I think that that I would sit with them and talk to them about how God sees them because it's all about identity. Everything boils down. You know, if we really understand how God sees us, I mean, who he is and how he sees us are crucial, crucial. And so I think it, you know, just like I do with my own children, I just try to impart life to them. I want them to know how God sees them. And usually, you know, unfortunately, they a lot of times they have to see the father through me, you know, which is is detrimental in some ways, but delightful in other ways. You know, because they have two parents that love each other and they see how I treat their mom and they they get to see the love we share. But I think sitting with someone, I would tell them that, you know, God is so good. and God has a desire to redeem everything and to bring restoration and hope. And that they can trust him in that. Don't give so up. Don't give up. I mean, trust in God and, and press on and give God time to work. You know, I think sometimes... Uh, People pray and they want an they want an answer immediately. They want God to show them their future tomorrow yeah. morning at eight a.m. And it doesn't always happen that way. A lot of times it's evolutionary. It begins to evolve, and God shows it to you a piece at a time and takes you down a course because He's really, from my perspective, and you tell me if this isn't true with you, He's interested in your character more than yep. anything. Amen. Else. Amen. That is crucial. So that's that's uh, that's so important to realize is that God is working on you internally. What happens externally manifests in time, just like it has in your life. And now here you are running a publishing company. I mean, to me, it's just an amazing story <laughs> that you can do that. 
So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the program and telling us your story. I know it will bless everybody. Thank Amen. You thank you for the opportunity to share. And thank all of you for listening today. And remember this, you probably have a story as well, and it's probably better than you think. And if you're willing to tell it, just please contact me and let me know, because your story may be the one that changes somebody's life. You can reach me at mygrandpajimmy.com or mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com. So thank you for listening, and God bless all of you.